0: and away we go welcome in it is the bcj podcast right here on bearcatjournal.com brought to you as always by our good friends at the holy grail make sure you are getting to the holy grail i was there on tuesday night before the reds game had a great time as always uh had some awesome uh hot pretzels and, and some beer cheese and uh got ready to head over to a great american ballpark for the night so uh you're headed down there, and as I've suggested continuously, it's a good idea to just go to the Holy Grail and uh, enjoy the atmosphere of the baseball game without giving that ownership your money. Uh, <laughs> so let's get it started tonight. We have another special guest this time, joined by our friend Max Olson from The Athletic, uh, much better looking than Justin Williams. so
1: <laughs> Sim- <laughs> love- it's Similar in some ways.
0: Yes, we we love, Justin is a uh, a great friend of ours. He was on with us earlier this week as well. He's the man ta- talking about it. it's, it's Does it make you angry how well he writes? It makes me angry sometimes. That guy's too good at it.
1: Yep, yep, it it, it does. That's it's. Uh, he's he's very talented, and hey, you know, one thing I always root for is when our our really good writers get to cover you know get to cover playoff teams and get to kind of cover this thing all the way to the end. He uh, he did an awesome job last year.
0: He did. He's uh, he's a friend of the show. We uh, we've had a lot of fun messing with him because now he's got three daughters
1: in a minivan, so he's washed. He he's like he allegedly took paternity leave, but I didn't actually see him take any time off. So <laughs> so, so he disappeared a
0: little, I guess, but not really. We joked that he was he was writing articles with one hand on his mm. phone with the baby in the other hand. I buy it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All right. Well, we're gonna get this thing rolling, Dave. This is a uh, Dave Simone special here. So I'm going to let Dave kick off the festivities with Max and uh, control most of the action for the next 20 minutes or so.
2: Sure. Thank you. Thanks for joining us, Max. Of course. Uh, you know, based in Lincoln, Nebraska, so I guess old Big 12 country,
0: mm-hmm. still
2: still kind of have your ear to that world. I guess kind of take us back to when the announcement was made that the Big 12 was going to expand. Obviously, everybody here, super excited yeah, you know, we've we've had enough of our games uh, in Tulsa and and you know ECU and things like that. How was the announcement um, of I guess UC and the other teams received from the Big Twelve side of things from the fan bases that you're more familiar with?
1: Yeah, it was you know it was really amazing. When you think back to last summer and. um just how quickly that all actually happened. I mean, you know, usually you kind of get dragged through this for months, and there's lots of rumors and, um, you know, lots of lots of hope and sometimes false hope with these things. But you mean you mean like the last time? Yeah, yeah. Sometimes it can be a little bit of a charade. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, I think that it was it was fascinating to see how quickly the objective kind of became clear for the Big Twelve. Um, I think once the alliance came together and the Pac-12 announced they were not expanding, then I I think really the, the eight remaining big 12 members understood, okay, time to move forward. We're sticking together and it makes sense to expand. And, and I think, you know, in some ways probably going through that exercise um, you know, whatever it was five years ago, uh, five, six years ago, probably was instructive and, and probably helped expedite this because uh, they'd already done the homework on these schools. But um, to see it all really, truly come together in, I don't know, about a week or so, Uh, from that point forward uh, was, was fascinating. And uh, yeah, it happened fast. And, you know, I think the sense I've gotten from, from talking to athletic directors and and football coaches, you know, across the conference um, since then, I think there's, yeah, obviously there's like hard feelings about Texas and Oklahoma and uncertainty about, you know, when they're leaving and all that kind of stuff. But I think pretty, pretty much consensus among fans and, and coaches and ADs that, uh, these are the right four and they make the big 12 as strong as the big 12 possibly can be in terms of, you know, going forward here. Um, really, if you were, if you're drafting four schools, those are at the top of the list, I think for everybody in terms of what you want to do. And and certainly the timing was, was uh, pretty perfect for Cincinnati given what they'd done in 20 and what they were about to do in 21.
2: And that's kind of where I was going to go next was just the whole, the whole run leading up to the peach bowl in 20 and then turning that into, uh, you know, the first group of five bid in, the playoff. What was you know from from again from like kind of where your seat was in the Big Twelve seat. What what was kind of like were they watching this like, holy crap! I can't believe this is happening because we've already invited them. Or were they were they kind of still like hoping that Oklahoma State would win the Big Twelve championship? Because like, I mean it's kind of a little bit of best of both worlds. I mean obviously you get the benefit of the current school if they'd have won. I I still think they would have been in um i'm jaded
1: do do you think oklahoma state gets in over cincinnati
2: i i do i i'm maybe i'm just maybe i'm just jaded in in that respect um i think it would have been hard for them to get in over over oklahoma state winning the big 12 and but uh but they didn't and so uc goes and how is that kind of i mean obviously oklahoma state fans were probably upset but the rest of the league did they look at that like wow this is a team we're bringing in that isn't just the quote unquote, like G five tricked out darling. They're like a, a real ass football team.
1: Yeah, for sure. I, I think that the thing that the big 12 needs going forward um, in order to make it as strong a, a, a conference as possible, because there's, you know, there's not, you know, unless Notre Dame's coming, like there's not a Texas or an Oklahoma you can possibly add to the conference to get back to what it was. Right. But what you need is, is relevance and, and top 25 relevance. And I think last year was a great year for the new big 12 in terms of, yeah, Cincinnati and Houston putting together the runs that they had, uh, you know, to then meet in the conference title game. And then BYU was, you know, I think they beat every Pac-12 team on their schedule and was, yeah. you know, really a, a pretty fun team to watch. And, you know, UCF year one with a new regime and, and, you know, Dylan Gabriel's injury and stuff like that. Obviously, they fell back a little bit. But yeah, pretty, pretty damn good year in terms of those four programs and showing uh, certainly for, for Cincinnati and Houston showing like, well, they're really on the right track here. Um, and, you know, I think that, yeah, it would have been – I mean, you're totally right. It, it would have been, I think, really really tense, you know, if it had come down to that, if it had come down to Cincinnati and Oklahoma State, you know, for a playoff spot. And, and especially if Oklahoma State is coming off this, um, you know, if you're flipping it and Oklahoma State's coming off this, you know, pretty remarkable last-second win over Baylor, um, it would have been pretty interesting. But, but certainly I think Cincinnati getting in, was a chance for a lot of big 12 teams to see, yeah, look, you're playing Alabama and, and anyone who plays Alabama is, is, you know, you can, you can kind of um, run into the wood chipper there a little bit, but I, you know, I think you, you saw certainly um, Cincinnati's got some real athletes on their team. And, you know, I think it's a program that, and, and, and this is kind of a, maybe a larger discussion, but um, you know, I think Cincinnati is a, a program that probably is, is going to keep building to a place where by the time it's time to jump in, I don't think they're going to be that disadvantaged when, in, in terms of matching up against big 12 teams.
2: I got, you know, that's a good point too, because we kind of like UC's had this, you know, nine guys getting drafted and a lot of key players. So where you, we look at it as kind of like a great one year time to still be in the AAC as we ramp up. What do you think the biggest challenges will be for the Cincinnati UCF as they as they integrate those first couple years? I mean, UC's recruiting has kind of been... Pretty on par with the level right below Texas and Oklahoma in the last yep. couple of years, but it is going to be a lot different having the road trips at Baylor at if it goes that way at Baylor at you know Oklahoma State places like that versus at Navy at USF stuff you know those type of games. Is that kind of just the biggest adjustment is the week in week out, or is there still going to be kind of a, a substantial to you know a little bit of talent gap?
1: I, I think that there will be I think naturally there's usually a little bit of a talent cap with this. I've had this conversation with with Dana Holgerson before when he made um, the move from the Big East to the Big Twelve at West Virginia, um, and now he's going through it all over again. But um, and he he knows Houston's roster is like not ready for the Big Twelve right now, and it's going to take some time. But he told me that the difference he found um, in making that switch was in the Big East. He found you know back back when they had Geno Smith and Tavon Austin and all those guys. He, what he learned from going through it was yeah, you know, if you've got, you know, 12 to 20, like really great players on your team, like you can win the big East. And he, what he found at West Virginia was you probably need closer to like 40 really good players to win the big 12, you know? And that was the challenge for him in terms of getting it right. I'm not saying, I, I don't know where that number is for Cincinnati. Like you yeah. don't know until you match up and play him, Right. But, but certainly Cincinnati looks a lot like the programs that are succeeding right now in the, in the big 12. I mean, I, I don't know that there's a huge difference between them and, you know, Iowa state in terms of where you're getting your talent from and the, the, the goal of, of, you know, developing um, you know, retaining and developing your talent. And when you have veteran teams, you're really good, right. And have a chance to win the conference. And so uh, you look at them, you know, relative to where, you know, they're recruiting relative to, you know, good big 12 programs. And I don't see a big difference there. Um, I think there will be a little bit of um, a little, you know, there's just naturally you don't know what you don't know in terms of going up and matching up against um, you know, new programs. And, I think right now we're at a point where I'm not sure there's a bad head coach in the Big 12 right now. Like I, I think that it's, it's pretty like uh, everyone's probably getting better in 21, even Kansas, you know, in their mm-hmm. second year of Lance Leipold. And so I think the thing you'll find in, in, in playing Big 12 ball is just that you can kind of win or lose every week. You know, there's kind of that challenge that you're going to play a lot of close games, no matter how good you are. And you know, if you don't show up a few weeks, then you have a chance to lose. And it, it comes down to you know, little things oftentimes. And even that, that was even the case for Baylor last year, you know, Baylor wins the big 12, but you know, usually the team that wins the big 12 is the one that just survived their close games. And so you have to have kind of that veteran team and be really good at at defense or be really good on one side of the ball to, to get it done. And so, you know, that that it's going to be probably a little different compared to the AAC experience, just that there's just really good teams every week and really close games. How much
0: does it maybe play into Cincinnati's, favor that two three four years ago it was a conference that was known offense 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 and it seems like it's corrected itself back towards defense a little bit which is obviously Luke Fickle's forte does it maybe play into their favor a little bit that they're entering a league that looks a little bit more like them than it did three years ago
1: yeah it's funny you could look at it either way of maybe you want to be the one that's different and has some different answers for the big 12 and that's certainly been the case here um you know that that people were looking at what Oklahoma was doing and and then before them, what Baylor was doing. And and they felt like, you know, the the way to get better is not to try and copy them. It's to try and uh, let's, you know, you kind of turn back the clock and say, can you play great defense and run the ball? And that's what uh, made Iowa state successful. It's what Matt rule did at Baylor. I mean, certainly this is, um, you know, the, the programs that are, and, and even Oklahoma state, I mean, they, they don't air it out like they used to, they want to play great defense as they did last year. And they want to, um, control the ball and be complimentary and stuff so yeah it, Cincinnati's coming in at a time when there's the, the programs that are good are, are kind of trying to do the same stuff Cincinnati is and so it'd be interesting to see kind of how those styles uh, contrast at all I'm not I'm not saying Luke Fickle has to change what he's doing at all um, to try and you know sh- uh, have the right chess moves to all this and, and be outsmart these big 12 teams but um, yeah certainly the the conference is not um, what kind of a lot of people think of, which is like 08 with Oklahoma, Texas, Texas Tech, everybody kind of all slinging it around.
2: The prevailing thought keeps being that Oklahoma and Texas are going to live out the current contract and stay till 2025. Do, do we believe that? Is that like I, for one, have never thought that that was going to happen, but it, it just kind of keeps I don't know if it's even coming from them specifically, but the it just always keeps sounding like that's the plan. Is that is that what you you believe that they'll that they're going to live this out to the to the end?
1: I it's it's really hard to to forecast that one. Um, I I think that if you'd asked me a couple months ago, I would have said yeah. I think a, I'm starting to believe that it's possible they'll they'll be in this conference till uh, you know the summer of 25. You know, now Bob Bolesby's thoughts on it, I'm sure, are not my problem. You know, I mean, they're going to hire a new commissioner, and, and I'm sure that's going to be on the agenda there in terms of figuring out what do we do here. Um, certainly, the Big 12 has like no imperative to, uh, you know, negotiate with them and, and give them an out. And, and they believe that um, the cost in terms of getting out of the conference is is way more than $80 million. It's way more than just the exit fee. It's the, 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 you know, the big 12 having the grant of rights for that period of time. And so um, I think it right now that there's, it's kind of a stalemate in terms of uh, both sides staying pretty silent. And um, you know, we'll see if, if Oklahoma and Texas try to give notice at the end of this year, or or if they try to, you know, uh, get something going with a new commissioner, whenever they're in place, um, right now, really, really hard to say when that's over. and yeah, i I, I know what you mean, David. I've, I've certainly talked to ads who are like, why are we planning for this? I don't believe that they're actually gonna I, be here, but I it's just hard never, to hard to know what the answer is.
2: I could never imagine them recruiting how recruiting would go with that SEC carrot, but so far away, like I don't yeah. know how you recruit the top of the top of the line players. To the big 12. I think you just
1: keep lying. You just keep saying, Well, we're going next year. <laughs> yeah, it's now because we're going time. next year. Yeah, and then yeah. and then you tell the next class we're going next year, I guess. You
2: know? So, you know, uh, I guess it's a couple weeks ago, maybe it started to leak out that the AAC teams were close to an agreement to leave that has since kind of you know kind of gone quiet. Are you hearing anything along those lines of when we might start we, that might be wrapped up? I imagine it has to be. Pretty soon, if they're going to want to uh, be full go by, I would guess July one of next year.
1: I mean, I haven't talked to anyone in the Big Twelve who who thinks that those schools are coming, you know, in twenty four at this point. Honestly, right. I think that people are sort of assuming that this will all get worked out, certainly between between Aresco and in the three schools. And you know, from what I heard, the, the the starting point in those negotiations was was something that none of those three schools agreed with, and and, no. and I don't blame them. I mean, because look, you, we all have Google. We can look up what UConn paid and how quickly they got that deal done and, um, you know, sort of how that money was taken away from them and all that. And, and you know, I think you can kind of use that as, a, as sort of a, a, a precedent, certainly, in terms of what you should be asking for. So I, I'm, I'm sure that they will, um, you know, get to, get to a deal there. But I, I don't doubt for people I've talked to, it's, you know, as you would expect, it's, it's Mike Oreska holding it up.
2: With, with... Um the uncertainty with Oklahoma and Texas, and now the new rule that says you don't have to have divisions. Do you foresee the big 12 keep like going? There had been talk that they were going to go to divisions when the new teams came in. Do you think that this now changes that? Um, And then also kind of like, what do you think the best scheduling format is? I've heard some that say, you know, go back to eight conference games, do one and seven, because there's really not like the whole marquee reason to have three crossover games. You know, we talked about it recently. We like the idea of three just because we want to build rivalries with, with new teams. Cause there were like no rivalries in the AAC. So how do you kind of see those two elements going?
1: Yeah, it, it's, it's obviously complicated. Um, you know, back in March uh, they got together and talked about a couple different models for it. Um, but you know, and, and with the expectation that they would keep working on this and, and try to, uh, maybe have some sort of resolution in May when they had their meetings in Phoenix and, and the, the message coming out of Phoenix was, eh, we didn't talk about it that much. We're waiting to see this NCAA rule change. And, and that just happened last week. Um, and, and that tells me that the, probably the lean, you know, the, the way they're talking about this really is more about what do we do for the next two years, you know? Right. Um, and then I probably there's some openness to revisit that conversation in terms of 25 and beyond. Uh, but it tells me that they're the the you know probably they don't they don't feel it's that important to set up divisions, especially if you get the sense that other power five leagues are, are going in that direction of get, of dropping divisions. And uh, you know, do you really need to kind of go against the the current there a little bit? So um, there's more meetings next week with the the Big Twelve uh, ads and, and presidents in, in Dallas. So I would imagine there'll be a little bit more clarity on that by the end of next week in terms of what they want to do. Uh, yeah right now wouldn't wouldn't shock me if they felt that no divisions and uh, essentially just try to come up with as fair schedules as you possibly can uh, for this period of time I that when when they talked in March it seemed like they people were generally still leaning towards non-conference games but I'm sure that conversation will get revisited here if you're talking about not doing divisions and you talk to some some programs that feel like you know the conference schedule is already hot you know they play around round robin right now right so so uh, there's certainly some folks who feel like this, the schedule is like hard enough. There's some of these schools that are playing two power five non-conference games. And they're like, we shouldn't be doing that. Like no. it wouldn't be that bad to go to eight again um, and, and have four non-conference games. And certainly you'd have more bowl teams. I imagine by doing that. Um, so I wonder if the eight, nine thing will get talked about again, but um, yeah, right now it seems like big 12. I, if I had a to guess today, probably no divisions and you know on, on the Cincinnati side it'll be interesting to see I mean can you like for example do you, do you get a trip to Austin in those two years or not right I mean there's no kind of guarantees as the conference uh, goes away from round robin scheduling here starting next year
2: no well, we we want Oklahoma Texas in Nipper
1: <laughs> sure I'm, <laughs> I'm sure and I've you know I've heard that in terms of from other ADs being like you know we we want to get them in our home stadium one last time because from a ticket sales standpoint that's that's the best you know
2: oh yeah I mean I mean that. See that's the whole reason for us is just because we can never get those teams to agree to come here. Oh, when you for have sure. We yeah. have the second longest home winning streak in the country. It's <laughs> it's not it's not too simple. So no doubt. Chad, yeah, did you have anything?
0: Uh, I'm just curious. TV talks are still a, a, a decent ways away, but those things are always, you know, in motion. Is there any sense inside the Big Twelve of what the number is going to look like? Uh, when this next deal comes through, because you know the the Big Ten and the SEC are setting themselves up for billion dollar a year deals, right. the Big Twelve is not going to be close to that. But is there any sense of where they're going to stack up, maybe when compared to the ACC, when compared to the Pac twelve?
1: Yeah, it's a it's a great question, and and, and obviously that's um, such an important piece of of that commissioner hire, and and you know trying to find the someone the person who um has the right skill set to uh you know really nail those negotiations and, and and maximize the value there and um you know i think that from from you know folks i've consultants i've talked to you know these uh these rights you know gain value every year i mean the way just the way it is so i, I don't think like the number itself will you know necessarily go down from from the last deal that they did in in terms of annually but Certainly that, that is the concern is I I believe PAC 12 is going through it before the big 12, right?
0: Yeah. I think, I think they're 24.
1: Right. So that's one of those that will be a little bit of a tone setter. I think the AAC probably got maybe a little bit better deal than they should have in the last round there. And from, from folks I've talked to. And so, yeah, your, 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 your aim here in terms of what the fan fan bases in the big 12 and the administrators want um, not just that you need to maintain your, your level so that you're not having to have cutbacks, but to to really stay in that that same class that 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 same tier or whatever uh, as the Pac-12 and the and the ACC is really important.
0: How much do you think maybe it's helped by like when you looked at when they they said no last time? I don't think Cincinnati really had the type of market presence that they they have now. Obviously, after this run with Luke Fickle, I think the same could probably be said for Central Florida where they've seen a, a pretty sizable increase in their market value. Do you think it, it helps any now that these two teams are not only coming in with major markets, but with an actual presence in those markets? Because and you could look five, six years ago and say Orlando is a Florida Gators market or Cincinnati is an Ohio State market, which would be incorrect um, unless you really knew the the ins and outs of right. the provincialism that is inside the 275 loop in Cincinnati. <laughs> But it's kind of undeniable now that those two programs have established their place.
1: Well, and you guys remember, you know, all this stuff gets thrown around um, last yeah. summer about, well, who adds value? And and talking to TV consultants, like there was no doubt even before the Big 12 went through with it, that those four schools add value to the Big 12. There's there's no question. Now, certainly every, what everyone cares about is, you know, how much compared to what Texas and Oklahoma bring you and. You know how do you how do you really calculate that at this time, right? Um, I I think that you know it's it's worth what someone's willing to pay for it, right? But um, you know certainly I I I feel like it's going to be fascinating to kind of see see where it ends up. And I believe contractually, uh, I don't want to I don't want to say this wrong, but I believe I'm talking to Bullsby. I think contractually this the talks begin I think in the spring of 24. So. You know, that kind of it's going to sneak up on us a little bit, I suppose, in terms of when that, that really gets rolling. So really interesting to see what direction they go with in a commissioner hire. And, you know, this is the same thing when you, when they when they went through expansion last summer. You, you remember them saying, towards the end, well, you know, hey, we wouldn't rule out expanding again. But yeah. at, at this point in time, you know, sort of how do you how do you know what a Memphis or anybody else adds in terms of value until you're actually talking to the TV folks and they tell you what it's worth. Right. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see. I, I don't know that you know, expansion is going to happen again in 25, but I think the big 12 is, is, is certainly going to, uh, you know, bottom line, do whatever they can to, to maximize that deal.
2: Well, we appreciate your time. I want to get you out with one last question. When the Bearcats do enter the big 12, what is the go-to road trip that we need to make?
1: The go-to road trip. Okay.
2: Could be football. I mean, obviously we all want to go to Kansas for basketball, but, but we're talking about sure. also like, you know, what has the best tailgate experience? You know, best <laughs> restaurants, best, you know, just just you know, what's the one that you would say you gotta go try to go there first? Well, see, I'm
1: I'm a little biased in that I lived down in Austin for seven years after college, um, and covered, you know, covered the Big Twelve from down there. And so um loved living in Austin. You can, can certainly have a really good time and eat a lot of good food down there. So hopefully Cincinnati uh can get a, a, a trip down there uh before they're gone. Um you know, it's, it's a fun, it's a fun conference. I mean, there's a, there's a bunch of fan bases that really, really, really care about football. And I think that you'll find that probably the fan bases themselves um, can probably get along with Cincinnati fans pretty well, you know, pretty like-minded folks, uh, you know, Midwestern folks. And so um, you, you kind of, you kind of can't go wrong. I'm sure that like, like, even like, you know, Lubbock, you know, like Waco's gotten a lot better over the last decade, like Lubbock's like hard to get to, but once you get there, you're going to have a good time. I, I, I think you guys are, you know, certainly West Virginia, especially if you're playing out there, you know, in in the fall and stuff like that. If you're if you're playing late in the year, getting a getting a snow game out there is a lot of a lot of fun to watch. Um, you know, I think that uh, certainly when you guys guys make that jump, um, happy to help you out with food tips there.
2: Absolutely, you're talking to two two guys that de- definitely love the, the food, so we'll, we'll, be, we'll, <laughs> we'll be hitting you up. And and you kind of hit it as like when you just said like a lot of fan bases that you know, it's really important to, and that's kind of when this first broke, that's kind of what I called it, was that it finally matters because we've just been used to playing. I I don't say this to be mean, but, like, it just doesn't matter as much to a lot of the teams in the AAC that it does to UC now, and it's nice, it will be nice to have a game, you know, almost every week where you're like, this is just a damn good college football game.
1: Well, and and look, you guys know, um, I'm not telling anything you don't know here, but, like, Cincinnati is one of those programs that it's not like, in, you know, August of 2021, they decided, all right, let's start investing in football now that we're going to the big 12. Right. I mean, I think that, um, that, that's one thing about these schools is they, they've, you know, they have invested in football leading up to that, uh, move. And, um, you know, I think that, um, you're not going to be, uh, you know, uh, at a place, I don't think in this conference in terms of, um, you know, what you're doing for facilities and, um, you know, staff and all that kind of stuff. That's where I think that, um, you know, it's gonna be fascinating. I, I remember talking with people even before they they made uh, the expansion move and the same people that say, you know, these four schools add value. You know, one of them said to me, um, a decade from now, um, why why couldn't those four schools be among the most successful football programs in the Big Twelve? And and the fact is they can. I mean, they just yeah. straight up they can, you know, and look, there'll be an adjustment in recruiting over time and you know, there's the strategy piece of it obviously and, and you have to retain your coaches and keep building all that kind of stuff. But um I have no doubt Cincinnati has has you know is is rolling in the right direction here and, and has a chance to, you know, be one of the powers in the Big Twelve if if they can keep Luke Fickle there and if they can keep uh keep this thing going.
0: Yeah, we had a backup plan, but then Notre Dame hired him i don't think we're gonna get him back
1: yeah yeah it would that would take a hell of a scandal to get him back i would think yeah, yeah. <laughs> all <laughs> right
0: don't put don't put it past us to start one
1: <laughs> <laughs> no i think he's gonna do a great job there. oh yeah we do too
0: all <laughs> right man well we appreciate it thanks a lot for your time you can find him at max underscore Olson on twitter and as cincinnati moves towards the big 12 he is going to be a must follow as well. I know most of you have an athletic subscription so you can keep up with everything Justin does. So add max to your must read list. Max. Thank you, man. Appreciate it.
2: Thanks fellas. Appreciate thank it. Thank you, Max. Have a good
0: one. There we go. Max Olson from the athletic Dave. That was uh that's a Dave special. You like to, to get on the Twitters and get us some good national guests to, to sit down and chat with. And that was as good as any. He He knows the big 12. Well, and obviously when you're dropping things like, well, I talked to Bob Bowsby and he told me <laughs> yeah. uh, that's generally a guy that, that we want to have on and, and get his views.
2: Yes. Firsthand sources are always the best.
0: <laughs> but, I, I uh, talked to a guy who heard from a guy. Yeah. That knows no, I just, like, <laughs> You know, at, th- at
2: this point of the year, it's kind of like, you know, what is interesting that we can talk about. That's not necessarily about this upcoming season because there's going to be plenty of time to talk about that, uh, but it's still relevant and it, you know, it's still something that our fans would be interested in hearing that maybe they're not going to get from an article or something like that because it's just not on the forefront of, of maybe Max's mind, but he is nice enough to come on and, and definitely, know, like, like you said, knows the Big 12, covers the sport um, from a holistic standpoint as well. So he knows he's very familiar with UC and then obviously intimately familiar with the Big 12. And let's be real, we we can't talk enough about the Big 12 for our for our fans. So like anytime right. we talk Big 12, I think that's going to be something that they like hearing.
0: Agree. Um by the way, Dave, uh, and, and this will take us into our next next little. Well, let's get a timestamp first. Uh the Max Olson interview, timestamped by Urban Artifact. Are you curious to explore what lies beyond standard craft beer? Take a trip to Urban Artifact. They don't make beer. They make fruit tarts. Come see what the world of real fruit has to offer. Swing by Urban Artifacts, Northside Tapper, and mention Bearcat Journal and get $2 off a flight of four tasters. So we have to do Wednesday next week. Okay. Because... I think that works. uh, It's going to have (laughs) to. And you can be busy next Thursday night if you want to. Okay. They are kicking off June. It's not a midnight madness camp, but it's kind of a nippered under the lights camp, uh, to kick off the June camp series at the university of Cincinnati. And I think there's going to be a couple really interesting names that are going to be at that camp on that Thursday night that, uh, We'll see. I don't want to get into it too much yet because there's still a lot of time between now and next Thursday. But it's going to be, I think, a very interesting camp. And then, of course, that leads into the first official visit weekend uh, starting on June 3rd. We know already there are going to be quite a few high-level targets there, quite a few very interesting names that UC is going to try to close on and get the deal done with. Maybe even including a couple guys that might be there Tuesday or Thursday night at camp that we will have coverage of. Um, so we're a week away, Dave. We are. Like if, if, am, you're, am if you're, I, good am good I allowed to day. attend this camp? Yes. If you what like time? To what time does it start? Seven thirty.
2: Okay, I might be able to swing that. Yeah, I mean it's
0: not too late. So
2: no, I, the later the better. Actually, it would let me get yeah, my actually, foot in bed.
0: Yeah, <laughs> but I mean it's uh, it's reasonable yeah and um I think it's it's gonna be a fascinating camp, yes, I mean,
2: it's a fascinating camp and and just you know if you're a regular on the board, you are familiar with the names that you know have been releasing, you know, gonna take a visit or a top five, but it's gonna be it's gonna be very fun to see it all come together and see like who actually is you know on these visits, who is on these visits that, you know, maybe doesn't really have a big social media presence. Maybe who like the staff doesn't want to have a big social media presence, right? Uh, you know, things, things along that nature when we are, you know, when we get the names and we can get it, get it out into the, into the board. But I mean, you know, they're definitely going to go for it and they should, I mean, they have a loaded, arsenal of things to use at their disposal to to wow these kids whether it's on the field the big 12 stuff the indoor practice facility stuff like there is no shortage of you know things that they have that a lot of teams that have they've recruited against frankly don't
0: have right now yeah i mean if you're looking at recruiting as a momentum game right They've got as much momentum as anybody in the country right now. Yeah. So this, if you're ever going to capitalize on everything that's happened over the past, you know, six, eight months, like now is the time to do it. This window. uh,
2: You think they're working to see if they can get sauce and des at the camp?
0: Yeah, I'm sure. Sure. Come on down, boys. Stop by. Yeah, I mean um, I don't think there'll be a whole lot like I don't think guys are gonna come in a a, a day early, but I think locally it could be interesting. Uh, there sure, I think sure. there are there also be some twenty-fours. Yeah. Um but I mean like, like
2: you sure. could you could come in from a couple hundred miles away to 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 a camp, even if you don't necessarily work out, but like yeah just show I up wonder and... I don't
0: know how that works in terms of like paying for the flight for the official no, how I mean, long like, they're you could allowed drive, to be just, here. Even
2: if you could drive in.
0: Yeah, I don't. I don't think you're looking at a lot of those names. Right, they're coming the next Friday. day
2: for the for the actual visit. But
0: I'm saying see. there might be some guys on Thursday that earn their way to Friday. Right. If you catch my drift. Yeah, or the next week. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So you know, I, I, we're right on the cusp of uh, a really fascinating three weeks because th- there's going to be uh, a group that visits the weekend of the third and then a group that visits the weekend of the 10th. And then I think there's also going to probably be a couple um, holdovers that couldn't make the first two weekends for whatever reason that maybe they have a couple extras come in that following weekend, the 17th. Uh, And then all throughout that time, they have their camp schedule where, you know, two, three days a week, um, they're going to be, That's gonna be interesting
2: too to see like how many kids just want to camp at UC now. Yeah. Yeah. Just to try to earn that offer that, you know.
0: And then there's a camp, Dave, if you wanna if you want to join me as well. There's a camp on that Thursday, and then there's a camp Sunday, I think the fifth.
2: I will be Um, uh in
0: Florida. Oh, that's you're heading out Saturday? Friday. Friday. Afternoon, yeah. Okay. Um, but we'll have we'll have coverage. Of every camp, I think the only camp... I'm going to miss the last one uh, on vacation. Um, But other than that, we'll be at every camp. We'll have full coverage of everything that's going on this June. And um, it's going to be really interesting to see what they can do with this momentum. To see as we get to the end of June... Did this recruiting class take that next step that we think it can? Because they're they're already in rarefied air, unchartered air, in terms of you know UC recruiting classes. They could even just blow the doors off of what they're doing uh, if they're if they stay hot through these official visit weekends. No, Eric, unfortunately, you cannot join. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'd have a hard time selling that one. Who's this guy? Ah, he was in the chat. He's in the chat. He said he wanted to. He wanted to come. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's uh, that's just a little a little touch on that. Just to let you know that we are everybody's been waiting patiently through May, and I think we've been doing good with the content and keeping everybody keeping things moving. Um, Mick has done a great job with the uh, the bucket list series that he'll continue. Um, and don't worry, everybody panicked. They thought Mick was leaving. Mick's not leaving. He's just not in college anymore, so he needed a full-time job. And there's only one full-time job right now uh, at Bearcat Journal, and I don't have any intention to give that up. So we had to find him something else to do on top of what he was already doing for us. So now he's uh, now he's full-time and still working for BCJ, just also covering Purdue in the meantime. Sounds um, good. Yep, let's a little timestamp that one. Give that one another timestamp. Urban Artifact celebrates their seventh anniversary. Uh, that, that was last month, sorry. Uh, how about this, Urban Artifact operates in the historic St. Patrick's Church, 150 years old. Stop by, and, and there you go, Aaron, with the key punch. Yeah, you're. You bet. Do you get a six pack of that one? Is that what we're doing? It's my favorite. Yeah. Yeah. What What is that one? It is a key lime fruit tart. Oh. They also, Dave, have a spicy key lime fruit tart. Interesting. What do you think? You like a little a little heat in your beer, or is that not
2: a? I like key lime pie. That's for sure.
0: Well, maybe uh, could ever get out there like we kept telling. That we're going to do, we could uh, we could get the yeah, hookup on that for sure. Unfortunately, schedules have not been kind. Yeah. <laughs> so, Dave, the uh, the Bearcats released a little bit of schedule information today, and uh, I think obviously the biggest uh, piece of news there: Arkansas, three thirty, ESPN which uh, that's about, I mean, I know some people were, were, uh, you know, hoping for the night game, but I don't think you can go wrong with a 3.30 kickoff national TV for uh, your premiere, your, your marquee out of conference game.
2: Yeah. Opening weekend of college football, the, you know, the big ESPN 3.30, like that's a, that's a big slot. I, I had heard that maybe it was going to be like seven thirty on SEC Network. Uh, so, you know, getting that getting that time slot and that channel is is good stuff. I think Arkansas, I think UC and Arkansas are probably going to be, you know, top twenty five preseason teams. Um, so, you know, should be a a really good matchup, and and hopefully get a lot of exposure for the Bearcats.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think this just goes to like the the respect Luke Fickle has earned, right? Oh yeah, because it would be pretty easy for TV to just say, you know what, they lost too much. Like we're we're kind of we're kind of chill on Cincinnati at this point. Um, and instead, you get a. a marquee tv time slot on the one of the biggest football weekends of the year you get a chance to kind of show that you weren't a flash in the pan that this wasn't a one-year wonder um i think it's a uh it's a huge opportunity for cincinnati uh as we know i'm not i'm not breaking any ground there obviously um but that was kind of the the biggest news to come out of that schedule that mini release today. The other one's yeah. Minnesota State, 330, uh, as you would expect. That one's on ESPN plus.
2: Yes, that's so, not a surprise.
0: But then the big one for you, Dave, the, the one that shocked you. Yeah. Miami of Ohio back on TV for the first time in what? Five years? It feels time. Uh,
2: cool. Yeah, I mean it's it's been a minute, I feel like, um, you know, so I'll take it. ESPNU, you know.
0: <laughs> we'll be at the game.
2: You, yes. can't, you can't rest all your starters again for that one, right?
0: Oh, sure you can. No, and talking about them last year deciding that they weren't going to play anybody that was uh, of any relevance in that game. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. I mean – just be a national embarrassment if Miami pulled that shit again. They don't Wouldn't care. Me. They're they not.
2: Don't care. They're not nationally relevant. What does it matter to them? <laughs> One
0: shot at this, I guess. But Chuck Martin has made it very clear they're worried about winning in the MAC. They are not overly worried about uh, beating Cincinnati at this point in, in their program. They should be decent, though, shouldn't they? I mean, they lost a couple, a couple of their main guys, right? I
2: mean, what's decent? They, you know, they're, I don't, I guess I can't, uh, I don't know much Miami yet, but I know they had two defensive guys drafted. Their best receiver. Ivan Pace. Ivan Pace is at UC. Their best receiver is on the Bengals. Um, I know they had their best other defensive lineman, maybe their best other player besides pace transfer
0: yeah Um, well maybe they're not going to be very good
2: (laughs) i mean i'm sure they'll be fine for max standards but max standards isn't uh beating uc
0: very true very true um the the fcs game at 330 i think you know that that's about what you want in terms of a a use from a UC standpoint, people can get there early enough tailgate, get into the game, be out for whatever they want to do on that Saturday night. Um, I know people don't love those games, but especially for a roster that's still going to be coming together the week after playing in the sec to open the season. It's pretty necessary to get that game in at this point. Right? Yeah.
2: Yeah, and then we sure. found
0: out what 1111 11, later in the year uh the Bearcats and ECU will kick off at 7:30 on a Friday night. That
2: one Was that one always on Friday? Or was it like a either or cuz I had it on my like my calendar as a fr- I already had it written down as a Friday, but I thought for some reason that it was a
0: I think it was I think it was a Friday all along. It's just that they we got the time and TV, 7:30 okay. on ESPN2.
2: Okay. Okay.
0: So that's kind of the the schedule bump uh, that we got today which is which is always nice to uh, to get a little news like that on a day that we record the podcast. Yep um Stephen wants to, to thank you. you asked his best travel trip question from a previous show Oh, uh,
2: okay, okay and he feels he feels honored. Well I'm glad you're on you feel honored.
0: <laughs> Austin would be a good time I mean oh
2: for I, sure. I mean I think there's a lot of a lot of spots that would be a good time. Um,
0: so, you know, other than BYU, because they're, Oh, yeah. An, I never, they're anti never, good time. They're not interested. There. I mean, they're not interested.
2: Oklahoma, it has some very hospitable fans um, I didn't hear anybody,
0: like anyone, have a single bad word to say about their visit to Oklahoma.
2: Yeah, you know, depending on the time of year, you could have like a similar UC takeover at Texas. They're they're quite the wine and cheese crowd. Yeah. So you know, you know, like we did at Notre Dame. Like uh, you know, they're not exactly. You know, they like to claim that they are, but they're not. They're not exactly uh, LSU. I would say.
0: Well, and and. Texas alums are spread throughout the state of Texas. So it's not like a, you know, most college towns, the alumni base isn't far away.
2: No, I just mean like the atmosphere in the stadium has has always been talked about as like kind of low key.
0: Yeah. And I think some of that is it's not centrally like there's people are, you know, six hours, a six hour drive from alumni or a six hour drive from Texas. Yeah. you know, so I think that's where the Notre Dame thing comes in is there's just, there's a lot of tickets that are available on the secondary market. Um, I mean, it just there's an opportunity to do what they did at Notre Dame. I, I agree with you. I think we're just having different avenues to get yeah. to that point. Uh, Jason says that the the view at BYU with the mountains in the background would be worth the trip. I'll look at a picture.
2: Yeah, I mean. Uh, when i was younger i went to a game at the air force academy that was sweet then like mountains in the
0: background okay like i
2: can't i can't drink a beer at the game i've had no interest in going
0: is the big 12 all alcohol like does everybody sell beer at games
2: as far as i know um you know i i haven't researched it but i'm i'm fairly certain most if not all i mean i know west virginia does
0: but that's new. Like that—that that wasn't always the case. That's West Virginia. Yeah, West Virginia
2: years. did when they were in the Big East.
0: Mm, I don't know about that, man. like—I was at
2: the first game that they sold out okay.
0: when they played LSU. I didn't. I guess I didn't realize it was that long ago. Yeah. It's, it was like they, they it didn't was honey, the honey, time. honey
2: badger LSU days.
0: Ah, okay. Longer ago than I thought.
2: Yeah, they used to have the pass out rule where you could leave at halftime. Right and then come back in once they started selling beer they got rid of that
0: smart <laughs> very smart. Yeah cuz then
2: they can make all the money
0: right why why let everybody go to their car right and cost you all the money um so yeah i think that uh that that touches on that aspect of it well in, in other football talk uh i guess you the the new s&p plus stuff is out yes
2: there is some post Post-spring practice, kind of like, you know, I guess technically guys could still be transferring, Um, but I think the majority of the marquee transfer decisions have been made. So you kind of have a pretty good idea of attrition and additions and and what a roster is going to look like. And so I went in tonight and uh, jotted down all of UC's opponents uh, and Houston. I put them in there. Just, I know they don't play them in the regular season, but uh, just so we could kind of run through that real quick and, and see, you know, where everybody kind of stacked up. I mean, I it's obviously it's, you know, we, you know, I think UC fans have given Bill Conley a hard time in the past about some of his UC projections, but, but for the most part, I mean, he, the, the formula that he uses does a pretty good job of telling you who's really good, who's pretty good, who's average and who sucks. So, you know, obviously these numbers can, can fluctuate, but you know, I think it's a, it's at least a, an easy thing to digest and an easy thing to kind of look at at this time of the year to see like, okay, this, this is what we're, what we're going to be playing this year.
0: Uh, So, break it down for us.
2: All right. So, the Bearcats are the highest rated team of anybody that they will play this year. And this, I I mean, I don't know. This definitely surprised me. I did not see them being this high. Uh, They come in in the first, or in this set of rankings at 11. Does Does that surprise you at all?
0: 11 surprises me.
2: I mean, they, yeah. yeah. I mean, they they lose an incredible amount of straight up production. So, you know, it's it's interesting for them to come in that high. I think both offense and defense were top twenty units.
0: That's the. So I think that's interesting because I think we all believe the offense. In place to to stay really good. I mean, the losses on offense were significant, obviously, with Dez and AP and Jerome Ford. But as long as quarterback stabilizes, you've got a ton of talent at wide receiver, you got a ton of talent at tight end, you get a veteran offensive line, you've got a, a talented running back room that now has Corey Kiner mixed in. Like, Offense doesn't surprise me, and defense, I guess, is is a benefit of the doubt, Dave. That that Luke Fickle's going to have defense? A, a I mean, great I guess defense? though, like,
2: does benefit of the doubt come in when you're when you're using math? True. I mean, it, like it, the, it has the to, offense, right?
0: <laughs> the offense,
2: the offense, to me, is a situation of, I and mean, I, I hate this term. I'm not going to use game manager, but like, whoever the quarterback is if they're more or less competent, I think the offense can be, I'm not going to go as far as say like really good. Cause the offense last year was really good. And it was, a, you know, I know people, you know, had their, their issues with Dembrock and whatever, but the numbers were the numbers and it was a, a very good offense on multiple levels. Yes. So like, is, is the offense going to be that? I don't think so because I just don't think either one of these quarterbacks is Desmond Ritter. Um, Right. But like when you look at an offense and how you win games, like yes, they lose Alec Pierce. They still have a a very solid group of wide receivers. You have two NFL tight ends. You have the best offensive line in the conference where all five starters are returning. Um, And you know how much does that? Ele- you know, a lot of times you hear, does the quarterback elevate the rest? Is he an elevator? Like, does he raise the level? What? Well, how- what about if the all the other guys raise the level for the quarterback?
0: Right, and th- that's what you would expect to happen, right? I would, and I
2: and and you know, and Eric kind of you know hit hit it right with what he said right here is like just don't give the ball to the other team in and, and dis you know in giving them advantageous situations it almost goes back to what we've kind of talked about the last two years of like if UC doesn't have some five turnover game or have a bunch of guys hurt like who is scoring enough points so like this this offense is still gonna score yeah like they have too many players and, and let's be honest like we'll get into it as we go through the list they're still playing not very many good teams. So it's like they still have more talent than pretty much everybody they're gonna play. Now, talent yeah, that's how it doesn't mean that you're gonna win every game, but like even without Des and even without AP and without Sauce and Kobe, like they still have more talent than everybody that they're gonna play. So, you know, I guess I'm a little I'm kind of surprised. I'm surprised at the 11 overall. I th- I, I feel like something around 20 is more realistic. Um, I'm, I am a little bit more surprised about the defense just because like,
0: I, I, we don't know what this defense
1: looks like, exactly.
2: like. You can say like, are they getting the benefit of the doubt? But I just don't know how that, how that comes into play when you're looking at like returning production, you know, and the metrics that are used, like, You can't just say, like, oh, this comes in at this number, but I know Fickle will will be good, so I'm going to move it to this number. Like, it just kind of is what it is. Um, And obviously that is part of the reason they're at 11th overall. I just think there's too many there's too many unknowns, Like, like we talk about all the time, like, we see so we can be excited or think that this person is going to be you know, a capable newcomer, so to speak, to that much playing time, but like there's still just too many unknowns.
0: Like, And you're I not going to have a guy that erases a third of the field. Sure. And,
2: and, and, you know, and basically gives up nothing and have, a, have another cornerback who, you know, is a fourth round draft pick. Who's a, a five year guy. Who's one of the smartest guys on the team and just understands the position and like, you, and, you're, and a
0: second-round safety playing over top of them.
2: Second-round safety, fourth-round <laughs>
0: edge guy. Like, I have, I almost have more – I mean, you
2: know, we'll get into it much more, but, like, I almost have more questions about, like, where is a consistent pass rush going to come from versus who's going to cover? Like, I feel like they got dudes that can cover. We just need to see it. Like, I, you know. Yeah. And, my, but, Jay, my Jay and Curtis Brooks did so much for the defensive line. Yeah. That I just like I have more questions about like where the pass rush is coming from on a on a game in game out basis than I do like who's who's not letting up you know seventy five yard touchdowns.
0: Yeah, I mean it, the, Trestle's gonna we're gonna find out how good he is very soon, right? Like he just he just was asked to to pilot the car and auto like the the don't, auto driving car.
2: Don't crash the Titanic,
0: right? Like, just stay away from the iceberg. Um, But that, you're right. Like, where's the pass rush? The corners, even if they're good, are not going to be the number four pick in the draft and then the guy that won the Thorpe Award.
2: Right. Like, Like, we're (laughs) used to (laughs) just literally, like, I mean, teams had the lowest or second lowest pass efficiency offense. Like, and they were down in games, so like they were throwing, and it didn't matter. And now you're going to be going up against, you know, UCF, uh, ECU is going to still chuck it. Uh, Arkansas's oh, got a quarterback
0: back for his fifteenth
2: Arkansas's got a quarterback that can that can get it out there. Like the first time that some quarterback throws for like three thirty and three touchdowns, everybody's going to lose their mind. Oh, they're gonna lose their
0: shit. Fire <laughs> Trestle, this isn't working. Like, you know, and, and it's it's not and, a matter and of maybe, and you know
2: what. Working. And maybe that doesn't happen, but I like, know. you know, who knows? But anyway, your know, state, Arkansas was next at twenty six. That did not surprise me. Um, I think they're a top twenty five team. KJ Jefferson is a dude. Um, they've added, but some they teams. also
0: lost a lot.
2: Oh yeah, Traylon Burks. They, you know. Huge, huge weapon in their passing game that they lost. Um they did bring in uh Jaden Hazelwood, I think, from Oklahoma. Um some defensive transfers. Well, you know, we'll obviously get I'll study up a lot more on them. But like yeah. they're they're you know, Sam Pittman, former UC coach, like they want to run it right up your ass too.
0: Right. So offensive like, you know, line coach, head coach. Yeah, like they want to run it just as much as uh, Luke Fickle, a defensive coach. Yeah, right? The, like,
2: it'll be a it'll be a, a physical, like similar styles. Like both teams run the spread, but like they want to run the ball out of the spread, and not the ho- not the horizontal stuff that you know UCF and and SMU do a lot of. Um, who do you think the first
0: AAC team was on this list? Mm, I guess. Because you asked that, it's not Houston. It's not. Because Houston would be the logical answer. I'm going to take a stab in the dark and say Memphis. Uh,
2: I actually don't know where Memphis is. I did not write them down because we don't play them. Um, Oh, that's right.
0: That's right. But
2: it's not Memphis. Uh,
0: SMU. I know it's
2: not Memphis. Even though I didn't write it down, I know it's not them. SMU. Correct. They came in at 33rd.
0: I, 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 if they are a tougher team than they were under Sonny Dykes, they can't can be less that. tough, <laughs> right? <laughs> 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 because that team was soft. Like that—that's the only way to put it. That team was soft. Like there's no other no, way to
2: explain it. You come out to two straight years in a row. You come out to I want to say like six and zero and seven and zero starts, and then UC just beats the dog shit out of you two times. And you just fold the entire rest of your season.
0: Yeah. And why? Because you got exposed that you were soft.
2: I mean, I will never stop laughing at the fact that they had that damn show on ESPN Plus, And after UC dog walked in, they it. stopped filming the show. They yeah. never, They never put out the episode, the UC episode. At least UCF put out the damn episode when we kicked their ass. Like, right. they literally did not put that episode out and did not air another episode the rest of they the, put the They literally put the cameras away
0: after you oh, see I mean, I will never
2: not laugh at, about that. I might fire off a tweet in a couple months be like, hey, what happened to episode seven? I'll just ask <laughs> the, you know, at their football program or whatever. Like, it, it's always going to be funny to me that you beat a team so bad that they had a inside-the-program type show on ESPN Plus that they were just like, yeah, we're not going to film this anymore.
0: We're out. We tapped out. That's it. It's, it's history. Um, Talent-wise, though, like it may—it's it, not.
2: Well, yeah, crazy. It's, it's, it's transfer transfer central. They yeah. still have uh, what Tanner Mordecai. Um, you know, Grant Cottenham's
0: gone. Right,
2: he's gone. Black, well, he's gone. Danny Gray's gone, and Reggie Roberson are gone. So they definitely have some some uh, receiver reinforcements, and I'm sure they attack that in the in the portal. But you just you know, like we talk about, you never know. Um, but you know, Ulysses Bentley he transferred too to Ole Miss, so they're losing their but they lost their best running back.
0: And I think with Houston McCaskill not being there is going to be a devastating blow to them.
2: Yeah, I mean. They, they, you know, they were next at forty-four. Or no, no I'm sorry. So SMU was thirty-third. Then UCF was thirty-nine,
0: and then Houston. So Houston's yeah. fourth coming in.
2: I think, and I, I'd have to get into. I'd have to dig more into Houston. They really took a tumble, from what I could gather, from a um, returning production standpoint. I don't know if they had some some transfers or if it was the guys drafted on defense or what, but when I was looking at. Don't Bill they have Pitt, a great
0: wide receiver? Oh yeah. Tank Dell.
2: They, and, they, they put out the, um, he put out like his updated returning production and it had like, if you were in green, that mean you, you moved up 15 or more spots. If you were in red, that meant you went down 15 or more spots. And then if you were bold, you either went up or down 30 plus spots they went down 30 plus spots from the last time he did it in returning production. And I'm, I'm not, you know, equipped enough right now to know why that was. Um, I don't know if that was a combination of draft picks, McCaskill getting hurt and maybe some transfers that I, you know, I don't know about or whatever, but that has to be why they came in here because I mean, you're returning who I would call the best quarterback in the conference the best receiver in the conference. Uh, They're returning some good defensive players. I mean, obviously they're, they lost some good defensive players too. Um, But uh, I think they lost some guys on the offensive line, but I was surprised that they came in, you know, I guess technically fourth in the conference uh, in this ranking.
0: That's I did. I think they lost three guys on their offensive line.
2: Well, I know they lost their center and at least one of the tackles, yeah. Chris Paul. So, um, but other than that, I'm not. I'm not sure. Then they lost, they lost two other receivers. Yeah, obviously not Tank, but two other receivers.
0: Or well, the kick returner,
2: Marcus Jones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, I mean they had some some significant hits, but it did it did surprise me that that's where they were. Um, then there's a big gap. Tulane came in next at 71st, Indiana 72nd, Tulsa 79, ECU 81. Anybody in anybody in there that uh surprises you or I mean that's kind of there's 130 teams that's that's pretty much average, you know, slightly below average. Right.
0: No, I, ECU I think will be pretty good.
2: Their defense still stinks.
0: Yeah. But Holden Aylers is back for for year twelve. I
2: think they've kind of figured him out.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, like, well, I mean, he, he had the, they took they took that personal. He had that, the whole, that's the Michael Jordan, and I took that. He threw for five thousand yards, and I took in that personal. Twelve TDs, yeah. and I took that personal.
2: We never heard of this guy. Some see. I don't think C.J. Johnson has two hundred and something receiving yards <laughs> in the last two <laughs> years. After he had <laughs> right. that, you know, he was like a nothing last year for them
0: right? Um, Just had that one night, that one magical night against the Bearcats.
2: Against Kobe, which is just hilarious that like that dude just roasted him all game just out of nowhere.
0: And it kind of led to sauce going from the field to like that ascension of sauce. After that game sauce was the boundary corner for the next two and a half years.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah. So then after that, those four, and I mean like you've got Tulane's got some new coaches in there. Tulsa, like they're who knows with them. Like
0: Yeah, but they lost a lot of their line, which is kind of the, the yeah. backbone, and they lost player. Who yeah, I know Jack- Cincinnati would love Jackson Player. I know Cincinnati tried to get involved there. Yeah. Uh, was, they would love to have added him.
2: Where did where did he end up? Baylor, I think.
0: Yeah, I think Baylor. He went back um, home. I think he's from down that way.
2: But yeah, so and then your last four are Miami Ohio at 84 USF at 89 Navy at 113 and Temple at 118.
0: I mean I guess USF with that young quarterback is a little bit of a concern, but they're still a hot mess like I yeah. think they'll be I think they'll be better this year. I don't think they'll end up that low, but what's a significant jump for them put them average
2: they can i don't think they have the talent to get to a, get to average yet. i know that's what i'm saying
0: if they made a significant jump an unexpected significant jump it would get them to average yeah and like that's what i'm getting in
2: like at. the 70s
0: yeah and they're they're here right they're at nip yes yeah come on all right let's get yeah. a couple comments here uh i think we'll see a UC team that was built to succeed without des Evan looks like a better runner and ben is a better passer what will we find at qB Look, it ain't that easy, Thomas. Like I, I, I get it, and I don't think you're necessarily wrong with those two statements. But the problem is, you don't get to put them both on the field at the same time. And, and
2: the in, and all the intangible stuff,
0: right? Like uh, leadership, the ability to go into a locker room at halftime and well, here, here's one command that locker room. How
2: many how many bad plays did Des get them out of that? Someone without his right. experience without his understanding of the offense, without
0: – Or how many that, how many plays did he eat and just throw the ball away when somebody would have tried, right. you know.
2: Where, where somebody else maybe tries to fit one in or doesn't see this coverage just because they just haven't seen this coverage. Like, that's the thing is, like, Evan is an incredible athlete, and but he just doesn't know what he doesn't know. And we are used to someone who had more control over an offense than maybe any quarterback in the country.
0: Yeah.
2: Like his understanding and the trust that they had in him, I think was unrivaled and it was earned. So, you know, I, you can love Ben and Evan as much as you want, but like, have they earned that trust? Have they earned the the capability to make the calls at the line to audible out of plays and into plays to like you said, eat plays or, not force plays like Dez had one of the lowest turnover worthy plays percentage of anybody in the country last year. Like if you really look back at it, like he very rarely this past season made a play where you were just like, what the hell is he doing? Right. And that's that's just something you don't see a lot of from college quarterbacks. Even Malik Willis. I mean I remember listening to Austin Gale and he would, they were doing a pod and he's like I started one of his games the tailgate pod with, with Mike Renner. He's like, there were three times where I, he made a throw and I was just like, what the F was that? Like, you right. just did not have those type of plays with Dez that I think, I don't think we necessarily take them for granted, but like, they're, they're much more on the table now than, than they ever have been just because of a lack of experience in the position.
0: Right. Um, let's see... Arquan Bush, the next great Cincy DB, mark my words. I, I don't disagree, like. I think Ar- Arquan's got a chance to have an outstanding season as an outside corner. Um to find the next great Cincy DB, though. Like what what what's the uh what's the bar? What what how high are we talking is the next great? Because what the 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 We've greatest had some,
2: since some pretty great ones. ones.
0: The greatest before we got to Sauce and and Kobe was what? Mickens? Yeah. And he was a first team All American?
2: Yep. And like a mid round, what, fourth round pick, I think?
0: Right. And Haruki?
2: Haruki, Delo. Like, yeah. I mean, and then you get. Rookie safety, Delo corner. But like. He said
0: DB. He didn't say. Oh, DB. Okay. Yeah. I mean,
2: then you have Wiggins and Forrest and and. And.
0: yeah, and, and sauce and Kobe. Uh is he gonna get to that level? I hope so. I just It'd hope, be damn good for the, the program <laughs> if he did. I just want him to be healthy all year. Yeah. That's been a challenge.
2: And, and they need um, they need him. I mean, like, that's the thing is like when you have two guys like Kobe or like Kobe and Sauce, you can't afford for your third guy to you know, miss a game here, miss a series here. Like, he, the spotlight is going to be much brighter and not necessarily from like a target standpoint, but like a, you're kind of the only guy we have right now that has legit starting experience. Like, we, we kind of need you all 12
0: games. I'd say Taj Ward is fairly close.
2: He's got experience, but not.
0: Like not yeah, scum, he hasn't not, played like Arquan has.
2: No, okay. I and mean, Arquan's been a star team player for three years.
0: Yeah. Um, and then finally, Eric says, uh, I predict Jawan Briggs will have a monster year. I, I I agree with that. I think he's back in a more natural position inside. Um, and that's saying that after watching him turn into a very productive player on the edge last year, like once he got into a rhythm. Outside, filling in from Malik, I, I thought he was he was really good. Uh, you're moving him back to a more natural position uh, as a nose tackle, and I think as a as a nose tackle in a a three man front, he's going to be very good. I, I would say the the question there, Dave. I think you'd probably agree with me. Does he have the quicks that Curtis Brooks had? He's got the power. Oh, like, he's going to physically maul some people at the line of scrimmage but does he have that as a pass rusher right that's where Curtis Brooks there were times if you like if you really watch the tape that the center or the guard whoever was on him was beat before the quarterback took a step
2: well my favorite play of the entire season the I guess whatever you want to call it throwback screen against UCF Cook gets, you know, Brian Cook and his hit was what, you know, everybody went crazy over. When you rewatch the play, Curtis Brooks hit that center and jolted that center so fast and so hard that it, it threw the entire playoff. I mean, it was, like, instantaneous that he was off the line and just crushed the dude. And then, my, you know, this kind of goes back to what we talked about with, with the pass rushes. Is our team's able to double team Jawan on the interior? At least the start of the year, because they maybe not as concerned with the pass rush on the outside, where they could not do that with Myja. Like you could not leave him one on one. Right. So does the now does a does whoever is at the you know the five or the three tech or the you know whatever it is straight up knows. Like, are they seeing a guard in the center more often because they feel more comfortable leaving that tackle in one-on-one against Jabari or Malik or whoever that is versus Maje?
0: Yeah, I, I think, like, sneaky, what we haven't really talked about much, and we probably should, this is a massive two months for Malik to get that ankle right. Because that high ankle sprain in the in the Navy game cost him a good chunk of last season. And then kind of didn't, he went on it some this spring, but it never felt like he was back at any point where he was at 100%. So if he's still fighting that as we get to camp, and as we get into the season, now you're relying a lot more heavy on Noah Potter. Like, I, I think Jabari Taylor is going to have a really good final right. year. Right. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm very high on Jabari Taylor. I think he's got a lot of, um, not crap, Elijah Ponder. He's got a lot of Elijah Ponder in him. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think you need Malik to be 100% and at his best if this D line is going to live up to their potential. Um, So it's an important, and I'm not doubting that that'll be possible. I'm just saying we saw him have a struggle with that ankle through the entire second half of the season. He got it cleaned out and then he wasn't, you know, he went in in fits and starts um, through spring ball, but they need him to get back to hundred percent as they get into camp. And then, Carry that on because we know with an ankle man, especially a high ankle, which is what he had.
2: Yeah, you just never, you all know it's, it,
0: All it takes is one one bad drill.
2: Well, the only ch- chance for it to get healthy is just to not do anything, right? So, um,
0: so I think that's important because if Jabari and and Malik, and now you add Noah Potter into that, who I think can very much be a factor. Um, Eric Phillips, I thought had a really good camp filling in a lot of the time for Malik when Malik was out and you and I both are high on the Dom Perry train uh, and have been for a while. Yeah. Um, I think
2: he's more, he's, he's, he's the, in the middle though. Right. I mean,
0: yeah, I'm just talking about the, the, he would be behind Briggs. Yeah. I'm talking about the depth of the line because they like to rotate a lot. Like, those guys have to be ready to go um, because they'll, they'll take some of that stress off of the corners to not have to be sauce and Kobe because if quarterbacks are standing there and, and, and getting a chance to pick apart this new defensive backfield as they grow, you're in trouble. You're in trouble. Simple as that. I mean, by the time sauce came on the scene, Kobe had already been starting for a year and a half, right? And then Sauce stepped in and immediately stepped his game up. And now, now you had two dudes. You're going to have, like, even if it's Arquan on one side, and it's going to be probably him on one of the outside spots, I think we didn't see him much in the spring inside at, at Nickel. No. So um, you're going to see him outside at one of those two spots. Who's the other one? Don't know yet. Like uh, that's for, you know, that's for Kerry Combs to figure out this summer. Um, But it's going to be much easier if you do have a pass rush that's uh, at least somewhat similar to a year ago. And without my and Curtis Brooks, that's going to be a challenge for sure. All right. We're we're cruising right along. I I, I think we're I think we're OK on football. You got anything else? uh no you got three you got 3 the majority of your s&p plus stuff we get a little detailed talk about the defense that i, I still man it's just it's a lot it's a lot <laughs> it's a lot yeah. walked out that door so i mean what three on offense six on defense Des, Pierce, Jerome? I mean,
2: just think of it from, like, the opposition standpoint. When they're putting the game plan together now, they're going to go, well, hey, at least we can throw to both sides of the field now.
0: Yeah. (laughs) And now, like, you had a starter quality in Arquan playing nickel. So, really, like, that's why their pass defense efficiency was so elite, right? They had three high-level starting outside corners on the field at all times.
2: And you had a really good, a really good cover safety. Yeah, but I, mean, I think that's. I think, I think uh, you know, not to necessarily our fans, the but, you know, but like Sauce and to an extent, Kobe. Uh, I don't want to say like took the shine away, but like they kind of covered up. A lot of the notoriety that Brian Cook should have have gotten, gotten, like
0: he got it here because we loved him, but nationally he he would have been talked about. He
2: was damn good. Yeah, you know, against the run coverage, ball skills, like I mean, just really, really good. And now you're replacing that as well.
0: And he shut down one of the things that is maybe the biggest staple of offense in college football right now. And that's the short passing game, swings, flares, you know, getting out in space and making defensive defenses pay. How many times did you see him just fly from out of nowhere and destroy a dude and, and, or, you know, just make a basic stop three yards from, you know, three yards down the field, like not always the spectacular play, but just the play that the teams rely on. Like their running game for five, six, seven yards. And Cook was like, nah, no, no, we don't we don't do that here. And you're asking, I feel more confident at this point who's gonna be opposite Arquan at, at one of the outside corner spots than knowing for certain who's going next to uh Javon Hicks at safety.
2: Yeah, I think that's a, a total open competition
0: yeah and jack dangle because of his experience has got the the edge um and, and i like what i've seen from jack dangle but you're gonna between him uh threats are morion smith isaiah cox you're gonna have to find somebody to to fit that role for sure all right let's time stamp that Urban Artifact is the largest sour-only brewery in the United States. They pack over 700,000 pounds of real fruit into their lineup of fruit tarts every year. Swing by Urban Artifacts, Northside Taffer, and Mention Bearcat Journal. Get $2 off a flight of four beers. As always, Aaron with the key punch. As always, a special thanks to our good friends at Urban Artifact for...
2: But Sponsor, before we things uh, things. before we shift to hoops, okay, uh, Aaron, did has Lindy's come out yet? Do you do you know?
0: I hope not, because I haven't heard anything.
2: <laughs> <laughs> because uh, you guys talked about it the other night. the uh, The Athlon top twenty five. I got an email, you know, asking to to push that out on social, to push that out on on the UC site, and. Uh, So for those interested in in purchasing a copy, uh, I have heard that your your local bookstore, magazine, house, whatever those things are now, might have it this weekend-ish, might have it now. Uh, Also then might have it like first week of June is kind of when, you know, it's not the same as digital where you just push a button and it's out. Uh, it, it definitely is dependent on where you are and where and where you're buying. But if that's something that you're into to purchasing, that that should be out or is out over the next couple of weeks. I know some people in the thread had wondered about the who wrote the, the thing in the a uh, pre. That was not the, you for the top twenty five. I did not write that. I cannot say who did. because I, I don't know. Um, but no, I wrote the full article for the magazine itself, not. I mean, they might have pulled some information from that, but I did not write that. You're You're on mute. mute. I said, yeah, of of course,
0: as soon as I hear anything, I'm going to let people know because, I mean, I'm kind of an egomaniac about that kind of thing. You're
2: a a, a published author now. I mean, I'd like to think that some of my work
0: was published on Bearcat Journal. I mean, just because it wasn't in a magazine. Yeah, but I mean, you're in a magazine now. You're going to be in a magazine. It's true. The only thing that does kind of
2: stink is like, I don't know if yours was like this, but like they don't ever put who wrote it. Like it doesn't say like by in. It it won't have
0: your name on it. That's interesting. You just get to tell people that you wrote it. I mean, I would think that for whatever outlet you're coming from, that's like free. Maybe that's why they don't do it. Yeah, I don't know. Probably. probably. I don't know. But we're big time. Dave wrote Athlon. Aaron wrote Lindy's preview. So, if you're a big uh, preview magazine connoisseur, you know that you'll be able to trust the information. In I will say, publication. This
2: is the third year I've written for Athlon. It is a very good preview magazine. Like they because do...
0: they 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 farm out to people that right. actually know what the hell is going. Well, I'm just on saying, with like with they Lindy's. do,
2: like obviously the bigger the program, like they get more word space and everything and i get that but like you get a, a good it's a good thing to to learn to you know learn up on whether it's other conference teams whether it's yeah. other teams you see playing like there there's a, a good amount of info in in these
1: magazines
0: yes yeah, definitely be, uh interesting to see my my words in a, in a <laughs> magazine so um, all right let's get to uh let's get to a little bit of hoops hello oh uh, the cat what what do you think about hey, kitty what's the kitty's name pickle pickle hey pickle your thoughts your thoughts on ravon she, she uh, loves
2: the she loves the 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 multimedia you know she's a, a star she's a star yeah she's yeah.
0: she's got to get her camera time
2: yeah she's always sitting here with me when i am doing work and jumping in on zoom calls and blocking my second monitor so i'm like doing this to to like type things and
0: oh that's outstanding she loves the spotlight i mean you know gets it from her dad yep
2: she's 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 kind of my cat the other cat is is kind of rachel's cat
0: (laughs) um so rayvon griffith uh put out there earlier this week he had a big announcement coming that announcement is he is headed to compass prep in arizona one of the uh higher profile prep schools in the country, um, I've been asked how much I think it impacts Cincinnati. He made it very clear uh, in his his announcement, like this was business decision headed out there to get better and then I'll be back. Uh, I don't think it has any any real impact. Does it open the door to some people out west maybe trying to get involved? I don't rule that, rule that out. Like I know Arizona State uh, has had a lot of, Um, involvement at compass prep. So uh, maybe they try to jump in, but I don't really see this having uh, a direct effect on his recruitment. What I see this as is. So he went to a higher profile AAU team this spring. Right. And what happened when he started playing with, with high level, high major players, His game elevated, Dave. We've seen – I mean, he jumped up to 41 in the rankings. We'll get to the the rankings uh, conversation here in a little bit. But I think this is, you know, Rayvon and and the people around him looking at the situation and saying, this is what we're going to be like. That's what college is going to be like. So let's go get another experience that's going to better prepare me for playing in college, I mean the the they play in a league. It's like a national uh, prep school league. That's yeah. that's got you know it's got Oak Hill Academy,
2: like Sunrise like, Christian, like yeah, like La Lumiere, yeah. like those type of teams.
0: Yeah, so I, I think this is an, a, an opportunity not only to play with great players. I believe there's two top twenty guys uh, in 2023 that are on that team, um, but also to play against a lot of great talent and, and give him an opportunity to continue to elevate his game. I, I know the the question like, why not stay at Taft? Why not stay in the city, maximize building this brand of hometown hero? I guess my question is Dave, what left does he have to accomplish at Taft? They won state.
2: Yeah. I mean, to, you know, as someone who went away for school, like I, you know, does it make you? Would you feel more warm and fuzzy if he was ten minutes away instead of, you know, a couple thousand 3, miles? miles? <laughs> sure, but like, I'm all for just dudes like getting experiences. Like that, you know, if you have a talent that someone wants you to be a part of something, like go for it, man. Like that's on that's on UC staff to make sure that him playing somewhere else doesn't, you know, right dissuade him from wanting to still be a bearcat like you Mm -hmm. know 18 17 18 year old kid that can that you know is is elevating his play and wants to take on a challenge like that we should be for that as bearcat fans like you should be for like this kid has a, a mindset that like just going to taft again isn't good enough for me and you know again not to just you know not anything against them but like he he wants the challenge like just like we want to see what the challenge is of going to the Big 12, he wants the challenge of what, how can I get better? What kind of player am I am I, am, am I? or can I become when I'm playing with other players that I feel are, are on my level and they can help elevate my game and I can learn from them and I can learn from great coaching and I can play play against other top competition. I mean, like, it's great to play at your high school and everything, but, like, who the hell is Von Griffin going to play in the regular season of his Taft High School basketball team that schedule that is going to do anything to truly improve his game from where it was last year to where it is this year?
0: Yeah, I mean, what, like, you're going to get uh, uh, two games that fly into the hoop over uh, uh, a weekend in January. Like, it, it, you're going to be able to maybe get yourself into a couple showcases. Uh, over Christmas because you've got a top fifty kid, but what what's the good of playing like a nationally ranked team if you're the the only guy? Like, and that's not to say Taft was to obviously Taft has some other talent, but they don't, to my knowledge, have any other like high major guys. So if you're gonna go play, you know, a a, a place like he's going to in Compass Prep. And you're the only top 50 guy and they've got six of them. Like, what do you get? What do you get out of that? What do you, right. what do you gain from that? Yeah. So
2: you, you end up playing compass prep at flying to the hoop. Right. And you, and you have a rough game because they just do everything they can. Cause they know. Stop you. Right. These guys, can't, these guys can't score 20 points if he doesn't score 30. Right. So like, yeah. So it, you know, and it's not all about looks and everything, but like, it makes you look bad, you know? it it hurts you from your development standpoint like and i frankly like if i was just a really really high level basketball player like i wouldn't want to play in those situations where i knew going into every game that the other team was going to just like throw everything they had at me you know that that, that doesn't make it doesn't help me get better i guess is what i'm saying like i'm not improving my skill set when the other team is, like, basically double or triple teaming me because they know that we can't beat them if I don't have a good game.
0: Right. So I think that's a lot of what this comes down to. Uh, I'm sure it doesn't hurt that, you know, Compass Prep's probably going to get some games on ESPN and you're going to get a little national exposure, which really will be good for the fan base, right, because the fan base will get to pop on the TV and get to watch them play a little bit here and there. Um so I know everybody was very anxious, very nervous about what this announcement was going to be. Uh, I, I told everybody it, it not to worry; it wasn't recruiting related, and clearly it's not. <laughs> um, they don't believe me sometimes, Dave, but that's okay.
2: I mean, you, you 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 know, there's so many of those times where you've led led them astray. I don't know why they would believe.
0: <laughs> right. Good point. Good point. Um. But, I mean, I, I, think, I think there's a lot of positive to it. Like you said, I, I do think there is – there has to be at least some layer of concern that he's going 3,000 miles away or 2,500 miles away or whatever. But like you said, it's the job of the coaching staff to alleviate those concerns and make sure it's not an issue. Like that's why they get paid the big bucks. Yeah. This is big boy recruiting. You're going to have to deal with these type of things. If you're going to recruit top 50 kids, because that's the nature of recruiting top 50 kids in this day and age. Yeah. That's just how it goes. Uh, new re- rankings released today, Dave, from 247 for the 2023 class. As I have talked about for a while now, there was a significant jump in store for Isaiah Collier, who moved up to... Number one point guard in the class, number 10 player in the country. It seems good. This one, I'm so back and forth in my, kind of my thoughts on this, right? Yeah. Like, no matter what, it's good for the program for West to have Cincinnati mentioned with a kid this talented. Right. Right. All signs point to Cincinnati being in a great spot. I know that gets a lot of fans out over their skis. As we have talked about and expressed, this is far from a done deal. There's still a lot of work to be done. But they've done the early legwork. They are now, they're in the second half. I don't know if they're in the fourth quarter yet, but they're in the second half and they're right there near the top. That's what you want from your coaching staff, right? Like, yeah. yes, there are twists and turns. It's it's recruiting at an elite level.
2: It's a, Yeah, it's a top ten pl- player in the country. Like, what how do you think that's going to go?
0: It's just going to go smooth sailing, Dave. Easy peasy. We had to lead early. Ride this thing home. He came to our
2: campus. He liked it. He, you know, Cincinnati's an amazing place. It's better than any place in the world. Like, yeah, of course. I'm frankly shocked that he hasn't shut it down and, and committed on it.
0: <laughs> How dare he go on those official visits to USC and UCLA? Yeah. To, uh... I'm, I'm doing the same thing next month, Dave. I'm taking uh, the, the family and I. We're, we're taking official visits to USC and UCLA. Are you, you going to go see the, the, all the fellows when you're out there? I, I So, Coach Savino, we're staying in Venice Beach. I thought you were about to say we're
2: staying at Coach Sabino's house. <laughs> no.
0: <laughs> no. Uh
2: we're staying you, in Venice. You know Beach. where
0: you should you know where you should stay. At Mix. The Bone Zone. Yeah, actually the Bone Zone. The Bone Zone lives in Manhattan Beach, which Manhattan and Hermosa Beach is where I that was my, you know, that's where 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 I hung. Probably I not, the,
2: not the same type of accommodations as the bone zone.
0: Mm-mm. That's safe to say. There were four of us in a three-bedroom townhouse in Hermosa Beach back in 1999. I think it was like five thousand dollars a month for four of us to stay in a three-bedroom townhome. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm guessing the boner has a, a a little bit nicer accommodations than I did when I lived out in South Bay. But uh, we are gonna we're gonna meet up with Coach Savino. I'm sure I, I, that's been no secret that. I would consider Darren probably my closest friend in the, uh, in the sport. Um, so I, I'm looking forward to getting out there and, and getting to sit down and, and have dinner with Darren, hopefully. And um, mix out the Valley, man. I don't, I don't know. I might have to just catch him on the road in, in July. I don't know if I'm headed out to the Valley.
2: Make him come to you. He's a big shot. <laughs>
0: I, I will. I, I would like. I, I'm gonna try to to, to finagle a uh a campus visit to West. You
2: know, Texas. I mean, you need to you need to call call the boner because I mean, for all we know, he might be in Colorado that week.
0: He might maybe be. He have, might, his house might be wide open. Maybe you could have the house to yourself. It's the <laughs> off season. It's the summer. Yeah, he might be in Colorado Springs. <laughs> so. um, yeah, Isaiah Collier, top 10. Um, Xavier Booker, which I, I think it's probably fairly unlikely that Cincinnati has a legitimate shot there, but they're trying. Uh, Xavier Booker jumped 87 spots, Dave. Jesus. Like, he, he, so what is he now?
2: Four. Oh, four. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, like, where, where did you have to be before that to then get to, to move up 87 spots?
0: He was a four-star that jumped 87 spots. thats uh, That doesn't happen a lot.
1: No. Um, what did he do? Uh, he was really good all spring.
0: <laughs> that's what he did.
2: I mean, that seems like a, an obvious answer. Like, I, You don't jump 87 spots because you were like really good. I was expecting him to be like, he averaged like 30, 20, and 10.
0: I mean, it was similar to that. Like, he's, he's 6'11". He shoots the three. He runs the floor like a deer. He can handle it some. Like, he is, you know, the, the, what the 6'11 next, guys look like in today's like, basketball.
2: Like the next Chris vote?
0: Yeah, the next Chris vote. That's exactly...
2: You said, runs the floor like a deer, shoots the three, handles the ball.
0: Yeah, that's exactly... That, that's the... I hate player comparisons, but you're you're right yeah. in line
2: with I mean, that that's, one. That's why you... Pay me the big
0: bucks. It is. It is exactly why I pay you the big bucks. Um, he moved up to four, so that was that's a pretty significant jump. That
2: that changes your you know your recruiting. Uh, platform, your profile, I
0: yeah. Guess. Your profile elevates a little bit. Yeah, I was looking at four. these four
2: schools. Now I'm not.
0: <laughs> he had already gotten calls from Duke, so. The the rise the movement has been uh, associated with uh, with Xavier Booker for a while. For those that don't know, he's coached by his AAU teams, coached by Mike Saunders' dad. Um, so there are some ties there. Uh, but that one is uh, that's going to be a tough nut to crack. Now, maybe not so much at ninety one.
2: Is right? he related to Trevor Booker? No, no.
0: Not so much at 91, uh, you worry about how crowded the recruitment is going to get. At four, a little bit of a different conversation. Yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, Arnton Page at 59, um, he made a significant, like, you know, he. I don't even know if he was in the rankings uh, before this update and, and moved up. That I, I had him as, uh, I thought he was going to be right around the top 50 guy, which is, which is where we have him. I think all the other updates uh, around the industry will reflect that. Um, some other names I see: Jizzle James, uh, seventy. Which I think that's uh, you know, if if they if the Collier thing starts to go south, I know they like Jizzle James. Uh, which, if you don't know, he is related to someone. Is the greatest Dave.
2: greatest name. Like definitely all name team.
0: Yeah, Jizzle. His dad was pretty good football player. Yes. Edwin, Edwin James. James. Yeah, his dad was a pretty good football player. Um Dalen Swain at eighty-two. Uh Jalen Curry, who's a point guard from North Carolina that they're keeping an eye on. Really good shooter. Uh he's at eighty-seven. Trey Green, who they've been involved with it for a while, but I get the feeling that one is kind of cooled off. I just, I just don't. We talked about him before. I think he's too small for for what yeah. West wants to do. Um, but man, he can shoot the shit out of it. Like he's one of those dudes when it comes out of his hand, you expect it to go in every time because it's it looks like how it's supposed to look. Right? The the form, the arc, the rotation. It doesn't matter if he's. Spot up or or shooting off the dribble. Obviously, at at five nine, I know he's listed a little taller. I'd say he's probably five nine. Um, you need the step back. Um. So, yeah.
2: are you go, are you going off of twenty four seven rankings or composite?
0: Twenty these the twenty four seven rankings were released today. These are oh, new twenty four seven rankings. Gotcha. So they will have effect on the composite but yeah. the, these are new uh, 24-7 rankings. Brandon Garrison, 65. Dave, there is a uh, there is a decided difference in what we're looking at right now, right? Because yeah. when you're looking at all the names that they have shown interest in, guess what? They're all right in that top 100 or just outside four-star range. You know what you don't see many of? projects, long-term, you know.
2: I was going to say something else, but I'll keep that to myself.
0: <laughs> Good idea. Good idea. You know, Les is swinging big, man. He, he he comes from North Carolina, right? Like, he's not accustomed. And, yes, he had to, to cut his teeth at UNC Greensboro, but don't you think he wanted to recruit top 100 players at UNC Greensboro? Of course he did. Um, so, yeah it's uh, the move to the big 12, the momentum that the university has, I think all factor into the, the, the new coaching staff, a lot of charisma, a lot of guys with a lot of juice, and you're seeing that have an impact on the recruiting trail. They've landed Rayvon. Now they get, get, it, get across the finish line with a couple of these others.
2: So, so, two things I'm noticing from looking at this list for the first time.
0: Okay.
2: Compass Prep, number five, committed to Oregon. Yes. I have two five stars. Number 16, committed to Arizona. Yes. And then if you go a little bit past Ravon, number 46, uh, un- uncommitted. So, that's the type of, of squad that, that he'll be joining. Yes. The other thing that I noticed is that uh, apparently John Shire is having no problem uh, recruiting. He's
0: doing, he's doing pretty well.
2: Yeah, uh, Duke with 6, 9, 11, 19, and 32. Like, are you kidding me?
0: John Shire has not uh, taken much of a hit from Coach K retiring.
2: No. He seems and to he's be got doing some dudes. Just,
0: just fine. He's got some dudes in that list. Uh, Why is this uh, not in your podcast feed? Uh, You answered that yourself. Because we live. We do this live uh, at 8 o'clock. Sometimes on Wednesdays. Sometimes on Thursdays. Depending on uh, the schedule. Like we said, next week we'll be on Wednesday. uh, Because there's a camp on Thursday. That uh, I think you're going to want to to stick around Here, for Here's a, on. Oh, it's
2: just a random college basketball recruiting question. Okay. Bronny James, 55th. Is he that yeah. good?
0: I haven't seen him lately. So I, I don't want to speak to where his development is at. Um, I just, I haven't had a need to watch him. So I haven't. Um, I believe he is pretty That's close cool. to that good.
2: His composite is much higher.
0: Yeah, I think 24-7 is being a little bit more – well, and and we're still getting to that point where everybody's going to go through this post-spring update. Some will probably wait until after this weekend because there is an EYBL stop in Louisville this weekend that I will uh, be attending. I'll be there Saturday and um, a good portion of the day on Sunday. Uh, He's also – up He's also showing no offers. Well, I think it's because everybody just assumes is that kind of like G go go League like yeah.
2: Ignite or whatever, or is it I think that's like, the, or is it kind of like everybody would take him regardless? So that if he cho- if he said he wanted to come to your school, you're going yeah, to Yeah, but take like
0: him. E- even like if you go back to like Amani Bates when everybody thought he was gonna go the pro route, um, even Michigan State offered like Right, there was a, like, I, I think with Brownie, it's just kind of understood he's not going to go to college.
2: I kind of feel bad for so, him. I mean, six three.
0: Like, yeah, he didn't. He didn't get daddy's uh, dude <laughs> genes on that side of things. Um, but yeah, I just didn't know if
2: like, you know, are, are you are you this because of name recognition and who you. You no, know, like I think he's a pretty good player. Um become...
0: from, from all from all accounts, he's a pretty good player. Tell Wesley to get him um, on that. <laughs> he's not going to college. I, I know, I'm kidding. <laughs> I know. Um so yeah. So that's kind of a breakdown of of where things are at with the the new rankings coming out. Uh Wesley Tubbs at 126, I see. I I don't I don't expect Cincinnati to uh continue to pursue wings with Rayvon in the fold. Um I think you're looking for guard, combo guard and then fours and fives. Uh when you're looking at the 2023 class. Devin
2: Royal I, at 81. Is that surprising?
0: Uh not really because I there were there there are some legit concerns even though I love Devin Royal. Um there are some legit concerns that I think exist. Uh, one, he plays hard when he wants to, and he doesn't want to as often as he should.
2: He doesn't want to as much as you want him to.
0: Right. The other concern I think is legit with him is his jump shot needs a lot of work. Um, and then third, he's a year younger than he should be. He
2: <laughs> <laughs> That's not a thing. You mean he's in a class a year higher than he He's supposed to be, be in.
0: He's in a class he's supposed to be in, <laughs> he's which is not how it works he, anymore.
2: He's a year younger than he should be. I don't know how that works, but I got what
0: you were saying. In the in the college basketball world, being 16 going into your senior year is not a good thing. No. Um he needs he needs strength. Um, he needs to develop a jump shot, he needs to turn on his motor more frequently. And I think that is hurting him in the rankings process a little bit. I think, and and I know there's some others that agree with me, he probably would be better off moving to 2024 and doing a prep year and getting back in line. Well, here's the thing. He's probably two years younger than he should be, right? Because he's going to be a high school senior at 17. Most of these kids are 19 now.
2: Yeah, because right? like, they've some of them have done that prep year.
0: Right. They've they've graduated, they've done a prep year. Like at worst, he's a year younger than he should be. In reality, he's probably two years younger than he should be, which physically, man, people coaches just don't what's the what's the right way to put this delicately? Coaches aren't looking for guys that are that talented to sit at the end of the bench as they tutor them for a year or two, because what happens now, Dave? You spend all the time developing them for a year or two. And he gets
2: upset that he didn't play, and he transfers.
0: Right. And you used a roster spot for two years on a kid that was probably never, realistically never going to play for you. Because by the time he's ready, he's frustrated that he played, you know, seven minutes a game as a redshirt freshman, and now he's off to somewhere else. To probably be really good for somebody for three years. So I think that's kind of the... Yeah,
2: you almost want to be like the second school. Right. Somebody else take him, get him in the weight room, get him going, and then when he's pissed off that he didn't play, we'll take him now.
0: Right. That's Unfortunately, that's a reality of recruiting right now.
2: What uh, former target I just noticed... Uh-huh. Uh, G- George Washington the third coming in at 104.
0: I like him a lot. He's he's he moved to Dayton. He's uh he's gonna play for Shamanad Julian. well oh, interesting. Um I think he's gonna be a guy that that is good at Ohio State. I think it probably is gonna take a year. Uh where like, you know, freshman year plays in that 10, 12 minute a game uh avenue, and then uh, sees his his stock improve as he goes through the process. Um, I'm a fan. He can shoot it. Good ball handler. Uh, I think, you know, UC would have loved to have had him as the recruiting process was going on. But that was also uh, at a time period where he was rated very similarly to Isaiah Collier. And uh, one has...
2: That is not the case anymore.
0: <laughs> that is not the case anymore. There is a gap between the two of them. So I think Cincinnati probably uh made the right choice. And uh well and, and he picked Ohio State. Like it wasn't like uh it wasn't like Cincinnati backed off of him. Uh, he just picked Ohio State. Matt I, said I think surpri- that worked out.
2: It's interesting, Matt said "Surprised he didn't go to Centerville. They it, got dungeons
0: already. Well, they've got yeah. Gabe Cup, like Gabe the, Cox, the co- right. do you think the dad is gonna recruit over his son?
2: <laughs> the dad the Adam. high school dad coach comes to dinner. Yeah, it's like Gabe, guess what? Got us a point we got,
0: guard. We got a point guard.
2: Yeah, let's I thought go. I was your dad, I thought I was your point guard.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and make no mistake, like George I mean, George Washington the third is a point guard because it's not the combo. You know,
2: Mr. Mr. Cups is no Tom Allen. He's not bringing <laughs> bringing Micah McFadden to carve Thanksgiving turkey. He has much more integrity and uh, family. Yeah. You know. uh, oh,
0: that's great. That's great. Um. Yeah, but that's that's why he's not going to Centerville. They they have a point guard. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> um. I, I was I was waiting to get word back today on when the freshman basketball guys are going to arrive. I don't have that yet. Uh but I did get word uh the football freshmen that, that weren't early enrollees should be here this weekend, should be here Sunday.
2: Well we heard uh there was some tweeting from Landers Nolly.
0: He's in town. I think they're still ironing everything out, getting like, everything like
2: he's in like COVID quarantine until he gets, he well, gets I mean, a, 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 a grade or something and then they can release him to the, to the city. He's living in
0: his car uh, <laughs> down. He's living in a van down by the river uh, <laughs> waiting to get word on when he can move to campus. There, it's, it's, it's compliance, man. You know, there's a lot of holes to jump through and make sure you did everything right. Um, but uh, he said goodbye to Memphis so that, that clearly means he's not in Memphis anymore and said hello to Cincinnati. So um, when I have the thumbs up to say he's a Bearcat and things are good to go, uh, I will let you guys know. But uh, that process is in the works. Wonderful. Uh, but The football freshman uh, will be here on Sunday, um, I believe. I think there's one... Kid waiting on like results from the the state testing crap that happens these days um which i never love because i think it's dumb because it, it isn't really what they teach you in school it's just a test you have to pass to make the state look good yeah um funding so or funding yeah funding funding that's what it comes down to i think there's there's one of those that's uh it should be okay but it's like they're still waiting on the the final results. Um, I, I saw. I saw today was
2: uh BBP special guest, Coach Brady Collins' birthday.
0: Yeah, the co- uh, fourth co-host, or, or you know, fourth member of the BBP, Brady <laughs> Collins' birthday today. I did not bug him to come on and talk to us on his birthday. Did you? Did you get the, to spend two and a half hours and watch Royer?
2: I I I listened to it over uh, several car rides. Yes,
0: he's he's amazing.
2: That, <laughs> it, it was it was an enjoyable enjoyable listen.
0: What what do you think of my decision to uh, lock him down for Mondays during the season to break down games? Love it, love it. Can you imagine how electric that's going to be on Monday nights? I mean, yeah,
2: you're not, not going to need me anymore to do, to do it on, on Wednesdays or Thursdays. So, Well, no,
0: you're going to – we preview the next <laughs> week on this show, right? Yeah. Royer gets the, the honor of breaking down. Like, we do our little – actually, it'll probably help because that show then won't be me dominating with my thoughts because we'll be getting Royer's thoughts. So then on Wednesday or Thursday, you and I can go into our thoughts. That's right. Yeah. Uh, and then, and then get into previewing what's next. So, um, it's yeah. high school. They, yeah, because you never dominate with your thoughts ever. Aaron, what are your thoughts? Here's mine. <laughs> I did think it
2: was interesting. He was very, uh, very, very, very complimentary of Coach Tressel.
0: He was. It's, it's a position coach. I mean, I, I think I think there was a lot of I think there was a lot of appreciation. That Trestle didn't come in and try to like, you know, I don't want to say screw things up per se, I mean, the, but the, like, I
2: know you did it this way before, but now I'm here. And we're going to do it my right. way. I don't care right. how successful you've been.
0: I think there was a lot of appreciation that that he came in with an understanding of this is a really fast car. Uh, I'm just going to take my turn driving it really fast. Uh, back to the the, the George Washington um, Gate Cups thing. It's high school; they can play together. Matt, they're both point guards. Like that's what they both are, and point guards play with the ball in their hands, right? You're not talking about a point guard and a combo guard. You're talking about two point guards. They can play together, but it's not ideal. That's not. That's not a game of basketball. They don't works. want to. <clears throat> that. That well. What are the great teams in the history of basketball, Dave? That had 2 point guards
2: uh the i don't know who?
0: i don't know because like I, I don't know cuz there's not any <laughs> who who was the other point guard with Isaiah Thomas
2: it's like all those great teams that rotated quarterbacks
0: right that's not how it it's not how the the system works
2: one of them did win a national championship but that's crazy
0: One.
2: Uno. They all said God God was one of the quarterbacks.
0: Right, God. (laughs) Part of the equation was the Lord Himself. All right, we 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 were worried about how this one was gonna. We we do this every time. We worry about how we're gonna get every single time a full show, and next thing you know, we're at a minute fifty-seven, and you know, I told you I thought we were pretty good tonight because I thought Mm -hmm. we. We had a, a plethora of ways, avenues to go with this one. So that's going to wrap it up. Uh, stay tuned on the YouTube channel. Uh, Aaron and I will have a nightcap here in a little while. We'll, we'll maybe touch a little bit more on Rayvon, uh and some basketball stuff because we've been very football heavy uh here over the past couple days. So uh one more time. I'll do uh, Let's see if I can get this right, Dave. Did you know that Urban Artifacts Building, the historic St. Patrick's Church, is 150 years old? They operate their tap room in the basement. And upstairs, they offer the reliquary. Reliquary. I,
2: I don't is this a is this a bit? Do, of, you legitimately, I, I, do you legitimately not know which way it's pronounced? Yet yeah, you could call the guy who owns the damn brewery the and just ask him how you would like I, me to say this word.
0: I've been told like five times how to say it, and I still, it doesn't stick. It hasn't well, which
2: stuck. one is it?
0: Do you want me to say I it? Think it's, I think it's reliquary, right?
2: Reliquary? Reliquary?
0: Reli- I think it's reliquary. What I mean, did he tell you that it's that? I've looked up the official <laughs> pronunciation, but it just hasn't stuck no, in my mind. No, you
2: need to ask him so that you can hear the way that he says it. So that you I mean, know which way they want it to be pronounced, not the way you think it should be based on reading well, it on your computer.
0: I think it's better that we have a bit where we end up spending two minutes talking about it instead of not th- 45 seconds. Sure. And somebody <laughs> said to me the other day, the problem is you pronounce it different every time. And I'm like, yeah, that's part of the bit.
2: <laughs> I just always laugh because you say, you say you do the exact same thing every time. And I'm like, does he – not no, and you just is covering. It's like cases. when we like
0: Abdul Abdullah Duda. Like we, yeah. I just I say it both ways, and that way I'm covered. Yeah. The re, the reliquary reliquary. Yeah. I think it's reliquary. I think.
2: Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know what either one would mean. Like I, if you know, oh, this is our reliquary. Oh, great. What is that? Like.
0: <laughs> I just, I just, I'm just an idiot. So I have I have, yeah, I have two of these problem is Congrats. the problem is he could tell me and I would get still get it wrong. Because yeah, I'm stupid. I... <laughs> I went to public school in northern Kentucky. What the fuck do you expect from me, Dave? That's
2: that's that's true. <laughs> All right.
0: We'll see everybody next Wednesday night. Next Wednesday night,
2: night. Wednesday. You're gonna have to remind me of that
0: one. I will. All right. He's Dave Simone. I'm Chad Brendel, Aaron Smith. Super producer extraordinaire. We'll see you next week. It's the BCJ podcast brought to you by the Holy Grail and Urban Artifact right here on BearcatJournal.com.